You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name is Justin Gentry. I am a former, I think, former acrylite of John Eldridge. I think that would be, I was a disciple of John Eldridge, maybe. Secretly, he didn't know, but I was a huge fan in my formerly evangelical life. Uh, I was a pastor for 12 years-ish, went to seminary, did all the things. Now I'm not that, and now I'm on the internet not doing that for sure. I co-host a podcast with Tori Williams Douglas called Go Home Bible You're Drunk, of which Janice has been on, which is great, where it's kind of like drunk history meets Sunday school, and we just have a good time laughing at the things that we always laughed at, I think, and asking the questions we always ask, but being able to ask them just in the open rather than secretly. So that's a lot of fun. I also host uh, the Rev Covery podcast with Sarah Heath. Um, We help ministers who are deconstructing their faith or maybe have left ministry, find jobs and find a life outside of ministry because as someone who's made that transition, it's it's really hard. (laughs) Um, When your resume says discipleship coordinator, it doesn't get a lot of hits on LinkedIn, I'll just say, you know? But how do you translate those skills into something that like an employer is looking for so that you're not you're not poor the rest of your life? Because God wanted you to be poor, but I don't want you to be poor. So if we can help people get jobs and stuff, that'd be great. And that's actually super rewarding when someone's like, hey, I got a job because of this resume thing you did. That's really, that feels really good. So that's kind of some of the things I do. I'm also a dad and I enjoy Dungeons and Dragons and science fiction and you know, generally just relaxing on a Sunday, which is great. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready because without further ado, let's get into... Wild at Heart, Chapter 7. I think I've given a wrong impression of my life with my sons when they were young boys. Rock climbing, canoeing, wrestling, our quest for danger and destruction, you might get the impression we're a sort of military academy of the backwoods or one of those militia cults. So let me tell you of my favorite event of those days. It came late in the evening, at bedtime, after the boys had brushed their teeth and we said our family prayers. As I was tucking them in, one of my boys would ask, Dad, can we snuggle tonight? Snuggle time was when I'd cuddle up next to them on a bed that really wasn't big enough for both of us, and that was the point. To get very close, and there in the dark we'd just sort of talk. Usually we'd start laughing and then we'd have to whisper because the others would ask us to keep it down in there. Sometimes it broke into tickling, other times it was a chance for them to ask some serious questions about life. But whatever happened, what mattered most was what was going on beneath all that. Intimacy, closeness, connection. So as you were saying, you were a, a John Eldridge fanboy. I so was. <laughs> tell me why, because 
most of the people who've been on for these books have read read them at some point mm-hmm. but for 90% of us John Eldridge is like this mystery figure mm-hmm. like, like we why, know why him did he appeal yeah <laughs> right yeah so tell me uh, tell me why John Eldridge and what your initial feelings for Wild at Heart I mean, I'm just trying to take myself back to, like, college Justin, maybe a sophomore in college, when I first ran into Wild at Heart. I mean, it may be, I don't remember exactly when it had come out, but, you know, it was just, it was out in the world. And, I mean, let's put it in context for a second. You know, Lord of the Rings movies, this was, like, the height of the Lord of the Rings movies, you know. And also, like, just a lot of those big blockbusters that John Eldridge likes to put, pull out, you know, just, like, tries to make them Christian. Like, somehow Gladiator is Christian, and Braveheart is Christian, and Lord of the Rings is Christian. And I, So I think part of it was just, like, someone who's able to tap into the nerdy cultural zeitgeist and, like, make that also about Jesus, that was an appeal for me, too, you know? Because, like, I could be like Jesus, or I could be like Aragorn, like which would I rather be, you know? Oh, I can be both. Like, somehow, Jesus is also Aragorn, played by Viggo Mortensen. Okay. So I think that was part of it. I think that's... I think, for me at least, you have to put the book and me in that context before I go on. And I, you know, I was always, like, kind of athletic and outdoorsy and you know, liked to do epic, weird stuff. So for someone to be like, that's actually how you were made, you know? And I will say, like, we're going to talk about father wounds a bit, and this is what this chapter is. I do feel like, you know, my relationship with my dad, especially at that time, was not great. So it was like, I could be fathered by God. Like, now, God is not a great dad. We're Spoiler alert. (laughs) Like, my biological father is a better father than God. But I didn't know that at the time. Um, I think that was the biggest disappointment with Eldridge is he's like, there's this battle to fight. I'm like, sign me up. There's this, you know, whatever adventure, adventure to live. Sign me up like a beauty to rescue. Great. I get a, I get a wife at the end of this. Awesome. And then the battle to fight is like, don't look at porn, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, it's like, like that's the letdown. Like the premise, <laughs> I was hooked, but the practicality of like how this like actually plays out in someone's life it's like i could have joined the army man like you know this was like this is just not this is not it and and just the more i learned about masculinity as a construct the more i learned you know from my lgbtqia friends the more i learned from you know men that just didn't resonate with this the like as the years went on eldridge lost his appeal over time but mm-hmm. I mean, I was actually looking on Amazon. I'm like, I read, I read Wild at Heart. I read Fathered by God. I read his like Way of the Wild Heart, which is this huge book. You know, I mean, I read most of his books from that time. And, and yeah, I think looking back, I'm still like, I don't know why. I think it was just like the, he just hit me at just the right moment and and I, I mean, I went to a conference and I mean, I, I met him in the sense that I shook his hand. I didn't like, actually, he doesn't remember me, but yeah, I was, I was a big fan until maybe 10, more than 10 years ago. It would have been 10, 12 years ago. That's when I was like, mm, yeah, maybe 
I also think he got lumped in. Like when I read him just as himself, I'm like, this isn't great, but this isn't like bad. I think he got lumped. I think Mark Driscoll kind of took some of the like, I can be a man and like totally morphed it into this really super problematic, like Tucker Carlson nonsense. I like sometimes I, I was reading this chapter and I was like, you know, I was expecting this to be 90% problematic and it's maybe 45 to 50% problematic and like maybe 20% like, man, that's good. And other stuff that was like, okay, this is just nonsense. Like, so it was like, I, I actually found him to be less problematic than I expected, but also problematic enough for me to be like the wrong person could run with this and really go odd places with it. And I feel like that's where we're at now. Mm-hmm. That's just my intro to why I thought, why I was into him, I guess. Like my apology. I'm sorry. I inflicted <laughs> John Eldridge on a lot of people when I was in ministry Ooh. too. Ooh. So like before, before kind of looking, looking a little more into him, like just on mm-hmm. the basis of these books, like if you had shown me an array of men and been like, pick John Eldridge, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. Because the way he writes this book, the kind of man he admires, the kind of man he seems to want to be and wants other men to be. I see pictures of him now and I'm like, what? Where? Yeah. That's not you, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at him now and I'm like, it looks like a cross between maybe like Philip Yancey and like uh, a person that kind of maybe played Jesus once and I don't know like uh, yeah that's and that's that's a weird thing too like I lived in Denver Colorado for a little while I've been mm. to focus on the family like see I think yeah he worked there for a while like I was, I was trying to like remember all my John Eldred's trivia that I've forgotten I was like oh yeah that's right he still strikes me very much as like the khaki and polo shirt focus on the family worker that just likes to go in the mountains sometimes and it's it's interesting to read it and be like, I think, man, you really just like the mountains more than Jesus and you're trapped and you feel like you have to make Jesus love them. You know, like you have to, like every interest you have, every thing that resonates with you at an emotional level, you have to make about Jesus or it's not valid. So it kind of feels like this whole thing was like my eclectic interests. How can I make them about Jesus? And I bet men would like this. And obviously they did. Because it... Because, like, well, Promise Keepers was a thing in the 90s. And then it kind of trailed off. And then John Eldridge picked up, like, right as Promise Keepers was dying. And it just, it kind of, you know, according... I mean, again, in the intro to the chapter, I mean, prisoners in Colombia have benefited. <laughs> I was reading his, like, little... Like, <laughs> Catholic priests in Slovakia, like such random, like it's random, random. Yeah, homeless and like, people no way, in Australia. No way to confirm or deny any of this. <laughs> yes, yeah, no way. Like, like. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, maybe he has gotten an email from a Catholic priest in Slovakia, but that doesn't mean like hearts are being set free in Eastern <laughs> Europe because of your words, like. Yeah, that's a that's a whole thing, you know. So like the pitch of like like the, that first kind of 
intro section that I read. It was like, it works. Like, you know, this approach, my approach works. I'm like, mm-hmm. it works for, I will say this. I think, again, I have to admit my privilege here. I was a straight white guy, relatively athletic, bored with church, outdoorsy. Like, this book was written for me. Like, this was my catnip. Yeah, at the time. Like, you know? Like, anyone that doesn't fit those categories probably is going to find this book to be... It's going to fall flat. And so it's, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, this is, this is going to hit you at right the, just the right time. Like, I was not even 20 at the time when I read this. So it was like, this is how to be a man, you know? Um, because, <laughs> You're like, I'm already nailing it. I've got it. Yeah, I'm, yeah I've got like half the stuff I've done. <laughs> like, I've got this on lock. Yeah, and it's, I mean, we'll, we'll get into more of this later, but like this, this whole idea that masculinity is something that you achieve or that's like confirmed by other men. Mm-hmm. Like that, that to me is, I mean, it's the premise of the book basically. And also I think the most problematic bit, like when he talks about like addressing your wounds, like, yeah, that's probably pretty good advice for men or women. Like if you've got a problematic thing you need to grieve, probably ought to do that before you just go out in the world. That's good advice. But the whole, like, you're not a man unless another man bestows that mm-hmm. gift upon you that's that's not helpful for anyone i don't think so keeping in mind that this book was written this was a love letter to you to young mm-hmm. justin yes that 45 percent problematic no no yeah. it's more problematic than that I oh for sure you. for sure yeah <laughs> like yeah I, I was just saying this particular chapter was the whole book is yeah very problematic from the start but I was just like reading this one particular chapter. I was like, I'm like, some of this is actually good. And just in the, like, before you go fighting your battles, you may want to address your various problems. Like, you know, solid advice for young men these days. But like the way, again, the way he describes going after solving your problems, like a lot of that. Yeah. I'm not, I don't jive with that anymore. Like I tried to be fathered by God. And it was a disappointing experience. (laughs) Can, can confirm. So, so yeah. So you loved it back in the day. How did, how did you Mm -hmm. feel about reengaging with it? Um, I I think I was was a little nervous. Like, just like what it, like, cause it's a little embarrassing how into this I was. And, and again, just realizing like, wow, if anyone that's not like me, and even a lot of guys that were like me were like, like this, I had a friend who he had a very idyllic childhood and probably in denial about a lot of things. But he, I remember him reading the like wounded chapter and he was like, I don't really have any father wounds. Like, does that mean I'm not a man? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think that that's this it's yeah. So re-engaging with it, I was like, okay, that I hope my son never picks up. The like he's not a man unless I tell him that. I hope my son never feels like he has to go to imaginary God, you know. And I'm not even like I'm not I'm more agnostic at this point. I'm not saying there's not something out there. I'm just like I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna like pray in a hotel room that 
God would confirm I'm a man and then have him say like, oh, you're just like Maximus from the movie. Like that was that, that scene from this chapter. I was like, I'm sure that was really therapeutic for you, John, but you do realize that like when a voice in your head tells you you're Maximus from the movie, like, I mean, maybe that's healthy, but also like I can imagine some very problematic dudes being like, yeah, I'm Aragorn, man. Like, it's just this confirmation, not confirmation bias, but like, yeah, I guess it'd be confirmation bias. Like, I'm good because I prayed to God and the voice I associate with God says I'm good and says I'm a man. So, like, no need to address the wounds now because God already addressed them. But I think that's my, like, the, I was re the, when I was reading it, that was the part that jumped out at me. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, you journaled and... And, and that confirmed that you're a real man like uh like that's yeah there's so many there's so many pieces that I'm like mm, yeah no or he was talking about being under spiritual attack and mm -hmm. here's the thing when I stopped believing in that suddenly the spiritual attacks stopped and now a good evangelical listening to this will be like well if you don't believe in spiritual attacks then the devil's not going to attack you because you're not a threat anymore. To which I reply, you probably just needed a sandwich. Or maybe you had too much coffee. You know, that's why you felt anxious. Like, I, there was, I remember the day I stopped believing in the devil. And I can remember it clearly. I was having a ton of anxiety. And I was like, this is a spiritual attack. Like, this is, this, this is it, you know. And then I, something in me, not God, not the devil, like I checked the coffee pot and I was like, I've drank an entire pot of coffee. Like, that's why I'm feeling anxious. This is not the devil. This is just like my body telling me, bro, like you've had way too much. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm, I, I think maybe all of these spiritual attacks have just been anxiety, <laughs> you know? And if I... If I monitor that a little better, maybe, you know, take some Lexapro, I'll suddenly the spiritual attacks are gone. You know, wh where was that, God? Why didn't you father me to that point? <laughs> you know, a good dad would have said that. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of, that's the, yeah, that was a very visceral moment where I was like, there, okay, I don't believe in the devil anymore. I, I believe in therapy and I believe in watching my caffeine intake and I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> and evangelicals would say no that was god he did father you he did heal you with that wound and now you are just mm -hmm. not acknowledging him properly mm -hmm. for all yeah, that he has well, done and is still doing for you mm -hmm. well he can still do it in the background that's fine it's welcome to keep tinkering around back there <laughs> i'm just gonna keep moving on towards the end of the chapter like one of one of my notes was just about these delusions, delusions of grandeur, because he does, mm -hmm. you know, talk about like the enemy and yeah, all these things that happen to you because because you're a threat to the enemy and the enemy wants, you know, whatever. And so like that kind of stuff is, it's, I mean, it's hurtful both ways because you've either got people, you know, scared of the devil and what he's doing and why is he after me or why is the devil not attacking me? Like... Am I not, mm -hmm. I'm not worth it. 
the devil's not not worried about me. Yeah, and 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 the whole like I mean I I get like identifying with characters from movies like that's I mean movies that movies do that to us you know but like when you're always the main character, yeah, you know, and I mean that's like there was this meme on Twitter a few weeks ago or there was some video that was like some man like waking up in the morning and getting coffee and going to work and you know like it was it was put to this like sad music of like this is what modern men have to force themselves to do you know and for somebody that basically took the same video but put different music to it you know and was like y'all are so easily manipulated like they put like it was like you know daft punk or whatever like you know, and it was like, oh, this is actually kind of a cheerful video. But there was this dude that took a screen grab of a guy's face and was like, you know, this man would have led legions into battle. And now he's, you know, f- you know, forced into a whatever, like, like the assumption that you would be the dude leading legions and not like grunt number five dying in the mud. Like, I mean, like, check your privilege there, buddy. Like, you're, or just, not even your privilege. Your fantasies are, like, not even connected to reality. Like, first off, a guy at a blue-collar job, or white-collar job, you know, probably didn't have the connections necessary to become a Roman centurion leading legions or whatever. So, like, already right there, buddy. Like, you would be right in the front with maybe, like, a hat and a stick. Like... And you would die, you know, like that's like that's. And so, yeah, this I mean, and I, I also I do get like positive affirmations and like trying to have a positive mindset. Like That's not a bad thing. But the the whole like I'm casting myself as the main character in every damn situation I'm in um, is. That'll probably be really therapeutic for a bit, but on a long enough timeline, that's going to be super problematic for a lot of people in your life. And around the world, including, mm-hmm. you know, Catholic yeah. priests in Catholic Slovakia. Priests in Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> so, what chapter did you have and what was it about? I had chapter seven, Healing the Wound, which again, it makes the assumption that all men are wounded, all people are wounded in some fundamental way, which... I mean, we're all messed up in some way, and we all have a lot of shit in childhood that we probably ought to address. So, like, I mean, the the premise I don't reject outright, but again, like, the grandiosity of it. Or, like, you know, he says at the end, like, the wound was delivered. It was, like, a targeted, strategic thing to take you out. And, you know, and your wound is your greatest strength or whatever. And it's like, you know, if your wound was, like, your dad didn't pay attention to you, Sure. But, like, there's some people with some, I mean, I don't have enough trigger warnings for things I could describe that could happen to a child. And then you're going to tell them that was a targeted attack by the enemy to wound you. You know, like, that. that's not great. That's just not a great framing for how to heal from trauma, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly, like, John Eldridge, again, he appeals a lot to suburban white men that which was me, you know, but anyone that's had to, had to deal with anything super serious probably is going to find it a little bit lacking and, or at least like 
yeah, like, I mean, the wounds I've had, I'm like, I don't, like, me framing that as, like, a targeted attack by the enemy to take out my greatest strength, like, no, my strengths actually lie somewhere beyond where I was hurt as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I do need to address that stuff, I'm not going to, like, make that my life or my platform or, you know, whatever. So that, that, yeah, it just, that that thing and it's I don't know it's kind of like he starts with like snuggling with his kids and like intimacy and closeness I'm like hey you know that's not that's not bad you should be but and then like you got to be close to Jesus like okay again everything I enjoy has to be with Jesus right um and you know and then like I guess this was what surprised me like he actually starts to make fun of like John Wayne and James Bond as like these are loner men I was like okay like interesting like he does make some interesting like you're so close john critiques of masculinity like the idea that we have to be independent that we have to you know not rely on anybody that everything is about like just chasing tail like okay it's like you're you're so close man but then he's like but you know be masculine and be like kind of patriarchal just not like those guys don't make it that obvious Make it a little more subtle. You know, write a nice book with your wife, captivating, that that just makes it really appealing for women to be in their place, and then you won't have to be an asshole putting them in their place. It's kind of like the the vibe, and also the, I think the appeal of evangelicalism generally, and I think John Eldridge specifically, is that he does lay out a pretty, like, he's so fucking confident i'm just gonna let the f-bomb out just get it out now because we're gonna do more but he's so fucking confident that this is the way like if men behave like i describe and women behave like i describe then just reading this chapter on its own like it's like okay but then when i got to the part yeah about you know john wayne and james bond i'm like what are you doing because you've been extolling them before mm-hmm. this like and it wasn't like you were mentioning them in previous chapters to be like don't be like this like these these are these are some of your standards like nobody is as standard or appears as frequently as braveheart but mm-hmm. it's it's braveheart it's it's maximus it's legends of the fall these mm-hmm. are his his top 3 but pretty much James Bond, John Wayne, John Wayne especially, like they've been in here before and these have been, no, these are the way to be. These are the heroes. So then it was so yeah. weird to see them in this chapter and him being like, eh. Yeah, and these his guys. whole like, yeah, because he, he talks about the West and how they'll be in cowboy and like meeting these like wild men that are out and taming the wilderness kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like John Wayne really fits your blueprint and so it's like he can recognize like hey certain aspects of this blueprint are not good but i'm not going to critique i'm not really going to critique it i'm just going to say like don't be as independent as john wayne or like don't be as independent as james bond which honestly you could say that james bond isn't that independent because he has like a team of people he you know so it's like that's where i'm like that was an interesting critique and and one that's like you know say more john don't move on to like goodwill hunting, which is like, I'm like, I mean, I've, I've been writing a book off and on and I'm like, this is just page filler, man. Like 
you introduce Goodwill Hunting, and then like set it up, and then copy the script verbatim. Like uh, that's a page. That's a page in your book, man. Like yeah. But again, like a message that's like, hey, this shit that you inherited from childhood isn't your fault. That's not bad. You know, totally cribbed right. from Goodwill Hunting, but not bad to introduce. You know, but again, it's like. He's so close because I, I actually do remember it being very powerful for me to hear the message like your heart is good because most of the evangelical branding is like your heart is terrible. So like, again, like that's a good thing to say, but it's still like couched in like your heart is good, but it's so corrupted by sin, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, okay. So basically my heart is bad <laughs> is what you're saying unless I enter my wound um, which mm, that's, there's so many metaphors there. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag undertones. Yeah. Throughout this, this book. Yeah. We're going to just enter into our wound, um, and, and, and invite Jesus to come in there with us. And it's just, I guess it's, it's, I'm shocked sometimes at how vague it is. Like, there's just a lot of vague, like, it's just vibes. There's no, like, footnotes. There's no citations. There's, there's no, like, even the, the appeals to authority are quotes from movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. this is authoritative because Aragorn said so in this quote ripped out of context from Lord of the Rings. Or from Frederick Beekner, yeah, Friedrich Frederick Beekner. That's another one he loves to. He loves um, loves him, you know. And I and I, I I read his book, Telling the Truth. The Gospel is a comedy, tragedy, and fairy tale. Like, and I mean, it's that's a decent book, but it's like again, I'm not gonna write a book based on quotes from Frederick Beekner and or yeah, whatever. It's just yeah, it's it's like he's a well-read liberal arts major john mm-hmm. Eldridge's that mm-hmm. that has it, it's again seems like there's a lot going on here but really it's like like how do you heal your wound we ready step one surrender to jesus you know and i'm like okay i i was just enough like i don't know if it was adhd or or what but i remember as a kid, like, you know, people would say like, Oh, I have, I have anxiety. You know, I've had anxiety my whole life. And my mom and other people would be like, well, just give it to God. Right. You know? And, you know, and that's usually where it would, the conversation would end and people would be like, Oh yeah, I just got to give that to God. Well, I was, I was the one that was like, okay, detailed notes here. How does one give it to God? You know? And, right. and it, I remember it became, it becomes like this scene from Schitt's Creek where they're trying to, they're, they're trying the to make the, whatever it just, you just fold it in <laughs> like, okay, how do you do that? Well, well, you fold it in. It says so right here. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> and that, that was, that was a lot of my, like, like, so I would read these books and be like, all right. Surrender. Invite Jesus into the wound. Got it. How? <laughs> How? 
or like step two, we grieve, which again, I will say like encouraging men in the West to grieve, like tier one recommendation, like get comfortable with that shit, like figure that shit out. But again, it's like his like, you know, allowing himself to like believe that he and his like wounds mattered. Like that was what made him grieve. Like I matter. <laughs> like that, I feel like there's more to grieve there, John. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then of course, yeah, there's an Augustine quote again, taken out of context and like, let God love us. Like, okay. I mean, it's fine. That's fine. I guess. And forgiveness is fine, but it's just like, basically you've just led us through the sinner's prayer like the masculine sinner's prayer and I, I mean get some new material I don't know right because that's all fine and good but it is like the sinner's prayer and then it's like I don't understand how to do this and I also don't, under, don't understand how I haven't already done this like if I've already mm-hmm. given my life to Jesus because just a regular regular secular man is not picking this book up and Mm. reading it and if he accidentally does he's gonna tap out fairly soon because he's just he's just speaking a lot of christianese there's just a lot of assumed knowledge and just shared belief you know all Mm -hmm. throughout this book so if i'm already assumed experiences of being like bored in church like you know which i think a lot of men that are secular dudes are like yeah i was bored in church that's why i left not why i manufactured reasons to make it cool like right so if i've already i'm already in this i've already given my life to jesus i'm reading this book because i'm trying to be a better man so Mm -hmm. it's like how how have i not already ticked all these boxes and you're not telling me anything Mm -hmm. new to make sure that i do so yeah you're not you're not leading me into any new steps and and again, like it's it's this weird it's this weird dance. Masculinity, especially in evangelicalism, and I think kind of generally in our country, like it's like this odd dance of like we're gonna make you feel super insecure in your masculinity, and then tell you you're a man, and then kind of make you insecure and make you question it, and then like you know because he says like masculinity is like essence passed from father to son, and I'm like, did I get the essence? You know. Like, did I get the secret sauce from my dad? Like, or like now I'm doubting my salvation and my masculinity. Like, you know, so it kind of makes it, but then you kind of get a little addicted to the reassurance of like, oh, I prayed this prayer and then God will call me Maximus, you know, like, you know, so like, but it's ridiculous to even say, <laughs> but it's like, it's this odd, like there was, I forget what the man's men's conference was recently on Twitter that everyone was dragging. Cause it was like monster trucks and whatever. <laughs> and like, I remember I had a rant on go home, Bobby, you're drunk about it. I'm like, men, like you're, you're like, do you need someone to tell you you're a man? I'll just tell you you're a man. Like you really are. Your penis size is fine. Like, you know, like it, like, do you just need someone to tell you that? Like, because it's like this, it's like this, it has to be constantly rehearsed and reinforced and, and, but also like put into question so that you keep coming back to get it reinforced. And, and, and so it's like this, his approach oddly mirrors 
like evangelical tactics as far as like making you doubt your salvation and like you better show up to church you better keep coming you know like do you have any unconfessed sin in your life like because if you do god might not accept you so it's like do you have any unconfessed femininity in your life like you know god might come after you you know you might not be a real man then unless your buddy brent tells you you're a man and that, like that was the like, and I I feel bad in some ways for John Eldridge like in reading this because he was talking about like being with his friend you know Brett who he actually died in a rock climbing accident his his oh, friend did but, I knew he died I didn't know that's what yeah happened I think him. it was I'm pretty sure he was the one of his friends died I think in a rock climbing accident I don't know if it was him or not which I'm like that's like killed you know, by maybe a little too much adventure there bud you know yeah. like that's the thing like I, this whole submarine deal that you know imploded like. I feel like it's like a bunch of dudes that just needed therapy, not adventure. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like I know therapy's boring and it's, you know, access to therapy is, I don't kind of just blanket recommend it, but like, maybe you don't need adventure, you know, maybe you've, maybe just a little bit less risk taking would be okay. And I don't know, like it's settling into the fact that like, it, it's odd, like, this whole thing creates this like lament for this like time when men were men, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of nice that I don't have to have anxiety every single moment of every day about where food is going to come from. Like, and, and for people in our actual 2023 world that do have to worry about where food is coming from, Ain't one of them picking up this book and being like, I need some adventure in my life. You know, like anyone that's actually struggled is probably pretty happy when life gets comfy for a bit, you know? And then of course their kids will resent it. Like, oh, I'm so comfortable. That's awful. It's terrible that I'm comfortable and well-fed. Like, I don't know. Like get some perspective here, John. Like, and and get some therapy because yeah it is it can be expensive and hard to access and all of that not for not for who this book is written for like like no. the titanic guys if you're going rock climbing if you're going skiing if you're like all these things that the average person isn't doing because we can't afford it but if you can mm-hmm. afford to go rock climbing if you can afford to crawl into somebody's submarine if you can afford to do like this weekend warrior stuff, you've got the money for therapy. The the men that this book was written for can afford therapy. And I would yeah. much rather they do that than read this. The Wild at Heart retreats, one of the annual Wild at Heart retreats, I think, was in Hawaii. I'm pretty sure. Like... And, or like something, I know they had a lottery system that had them like, you know, they're all, they're all in these nice places. Mm-hmm. So like these men are flying out and paying hundreds of dollars, like to go to these wild at heart retreats. That's a, that's a good six months of therapy with a licensed therapist that I, I can't remember John Aldridge actually is a licensed therapist or not, or if he was, I can't remember, but a lot of it's, this is very Christian therapy ish. And my success with Christian therapists versus like actual therapists is it's night and day difference into how effective the therapy is. This is very much like, I I kind of feel for him a sense that he just wanted someone to notice him Mm -hmm. and, and who doesn't, you know, like I, I get that. 
and I'm glad he had people in his life that did notice him. And and I'm glad the voice in his head notices him too. But yeah, without giving that kind of ammunition to your average suburban dude that you can just pray to God and he'll tell you you're fine. That's not great. That, that, that leads to some Duggar nonsense. Like I think, you know, like you're not, this isn't going good places for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like in this, this, I mean the whole, the whole book is misogynistic. John Eldridge, mm-hmm. you can you cannot convince me he does not hate women. He 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 hates women. He mm-hmm. he wouldn't say that. He probably doesn't think so, but he does. And well, they're a beauty to save and put on a shelf, Janice. Like <laughs> I love women. I love to collect them. To collect them. I love them, to, to tell have them what them. to do. To have <laughs> them. To enjoy being with them. Like I, you know, like I mean, yeah, I I can see that like. The like pearl clutching that's like no I love and respect women but it's like yeah when like I mean because my you know my partner at the time read Captivating and you know that was <clears throat> eh, you know like you know it's just like yeah there's a lot of this very smiley shiny happy people kind of patriarchy that's mm-hmm. underneath of it and it's it, but it's a nice patriarchy i think that's the like that's why i think he kind of escaped a lot of that critique it's like this is just a nice patriarchy this is a very nice homophobia this is a way you can if you're a man you can feel good about being a man i'm giving you permission to do that um which is just like that's some fight club adjacent stuff you know, like it just, it's, it's like a not, and, and I've wrestled with this too about masculinity. Like how do we frame it? I mean, it's, it, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy or there's like an easy alternative to John Eldridge. Um, because most books about masculinity are this, like, mm-hmm. and, and most, most of the discourse in the manosphere is very like men are we're having our rights taken away from us. We live in a society that wants to make us women that, you know, there's always this like grievance kind of politics that comes with a lot of it. And and that, that's Eldridge is dripping with that grievance politics. Like there's just not enough wilderness. There's not enough freedom to be a man. And I'm going to give you permission to be a man, you know, and this is what this looks like. Like no one took away your permission slip to be a man. Nobody. Like, no one took that away from you. You have had it. Being told, like, hey, like, maybe women have opinions too is not taking away your man card. There are no man cards. Honestly, something that broke that spell for me is equally problematic, but it helped, but it's also problematic. I'm just going to put that caveat. Because this was, this was a Don Miller book. He wrote a book about being fathered called To Own a Dragon, I think is what it was called. I think it's called something else now, but... His like book about being fathered and he was talking to a group of boys and they were like you know am i a man or whatever and he said and again i'm gonna say this is problematic he said listen guys if you have a penis you're a man like which i realize is problematic for trans folk but 
it kind of broke that spell for me of like masculinity is something you attain or it's something that's given to you. He just like in that chapter, he very frankly, it's just like, if you want to be a man, you're a man. Like Hmm. you have the equipment already, which again, I realize that's not the best message to give blanket. I'm not going to endorse it necessarily, but like, I think there needs to be more like being a man is like a multifaceted thing. And it is, you know, you probably are one if you think you are one and no dude has to tell you that like you don't have to go to like the man council to submit your application to manhood you don't need that like if you if you feel in your heart you are a man it's fine like i'll tell you you're a man (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i'll just pass away i'm gonna pass that man cards for free to anyone (laughs) who asks like so yeah i mean don miller again not the most wholesome source for this but I, I remember reading that and being like maybe John Eldridge isn't right <laughs> like that was kind of that first like moment like huh like maybe he's laying it on way too thick and I need to reassess like my approach to this because I'm I'm getting in a little bit too deep so if that's helpful to somebody out there great it just seems like yeah like you said like these books on masculinity all kind of come back to this because there's you can't there's there's not one way there's no one prescriptive way to be a man but like pretty early in this chapter when he was talking about yeah right after the john wayne and james bond he said well this is why why a man never never ever stops to ask for directions and he says i am Mm -hmm. notorious for this i'm like well okay here we go like john this whole book should have been a journal entry and it would have been fine like these are your thoughts and this is how you feel and these are the things that are confirming you for you and that's great these are journal mm-hmm. entries. But but then yes. that part about why men never, ever stop to ask for direction. I was like, is that even true? Or is that just, this is what we have said about men and we have believed it. And now yes. we just b- base things I, around this. I ask for directions. Like, well, I don't need more because we have GPS. But right. before, in the days of your kids, gather around. You know, like, which, I mean, again, every man asks Google for directions. So right there, off the bat. Like, but, like, yeah, I would go into gas stations and ask around. Like, I I actually never understood that. Like, why would I choose to be lost? Like, there are so many tropes. And, like, the goofy sitcom dad trope, like, I hate that one just personally. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. come on. You know, like, and, but, again... Elders is just peddling in a different trope. Like rather than saying like masculinity is a menu of options that really anyone can pick up. And, but maybe here's like some pitfalls to avoid, you know, like John Wayne, like James Bond, like, you know, like here's some, rather than that, it's just like, yep. When you're a man, this is just, there's just this essence inside you that needs to be tamed and, you know, like, and, and not tamed. It needs to be wild, but you need to like make it wild just like me. Um, it's like, well, that's not wild. If masculinity is wild, then it would look a lot different to a lot of different people. And like the way I embody masculinity is different than the way someone else might embody it. And Hey, actually there's a lot of, you know, feminine presenting people that can also be incredibly masculine and that's fine too. That's not a, like masculinity is not a limited resource like you know and neither is femininity either but like it's not like oh if 
if women wear pants suits, I'm less of a man now. Like, no, like if woman, if a woman is president, I'm less of a man now. Like, no, that's a you problem. That's not a, that's not her problem. That's a you problem, man. Like get ye to therapy. And I, and here's where a lot of these books, like, you know, he talks about like how the father's voice is never condemning. I guess never condemning. Like, I mean, have you read the Bible, my man? Because <laughs> I've read a, a lot of it, you know, and that, I mean, it would be great if the father's voice was never condemning, but that's just not true. Like, this is like factually inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of these books rely on a massaging of the text to a point where it's like come on and i i can get on a soapbox about some not all but some progressive christians even being like oh the bible is like totally queer affirming like start to finish like i i'm gonna say that the christian tradition has space in it to be queer affirming yep i will say that to say the bible is queer affirming though it's not (laughs) like it's just not like and and I feel like it's more honest to be like, yeah, this book isn't, but there's a lot of things in here that we can pull from that lead us to become queer affirming later. Like, I think that's fair. But like, so it's like, yeah, to say like the father's voice is not condemning. Like, no, it is. Like it is. in the scripture, it is. Now I can tune that shit out and I can try to follow what I understand divine love to be. And that I don't think is condemning or shaming, but like. Just these blankets, because then what that does to me is when I go back and read the actual fucking Bible and I see that the father is condemning, I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I guess I'm reading it wrong. Like, I must like, let me see if I can contort this, like, you know, if I can contort the story of Noah's Ark where God just like has a hiccup and a genocide, you know, like not even a genocide. Like, I don't know what it's called when you flood the entire earth. Like, Everybody. it's like an like like this extermination event, but there's a rainbow at the end. God won't do it again, right? That's but this just is, some that's some that, bad that, nonsense. And that main character energy mm-hmm. again, where like you only see yourself in the story of Noah as Noah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just cannot fathom that you could have been the person. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, because we talk about oh, you know, the people watching him build this boat and laughing at him or whatever. But what about the person who was fifty miles away, never saw Noah, never, never made fun of him, never just never got word, right? Yeah, and the... <laughs> just living your life, and then the floods come, and you're gone. Yeah, like, like, but and, that can never be you. No, I'm, 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 I'm reading I was the story. Noah. I'm Noah. You know, yeah. Uh, Noah until he gets drunk and naked uh, afterwards. Like, which to me, like, I'm just as a positive for the Bible, like, I feel like that's the most emotionally honest response to dealing with your survivalist guilt after that whole thing. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get real drunk. Yeah. Because I think, like, why was I saved? <laughs> like, yeah. this is actually kind of torture really like so i'm gonna get drunk but they don't talk about that part like or he he channels king david so much in this book Mm -hmm. 
Like King mm-hmm. David is his boy, you know. But you, well, we talked about King David on Go Home by You're Drunk a bit too. But it's like David was not a good dad. David no. was not a good man. Like mm. David killed a bunch of folk and wrote some nice poetry about it. But like you don't <laughs> get to some, be king. Commissioned some. Yeah, but... I don't know how much he actually wrote, but <laughs> like, like. You don't get to be king of an ancient Near Eastern kingdom because you're a nice person or because you're a decent human being. Especially you don't get to usurp someone's throne and become king. Like, there might have been some sons of kings that became king that were probably decent. But you don't don't get to, like, have a coup and, and, and at the end of the day be like, oh... God's got my back. (laughs) (laughs) A little man after God's own heart part. Like, I'm pretty sure David wrote that about himself. About himself. That one time. Probably because he was journaling and was like, God, do you, do you like me? Am I your friend? And I feel like God is my friend. So therefore I'm a man after God's own heart. Like, Never mind the, like, murders and rapes and, you know, all the other things. And and terrible parenting decisions and pitting my kids against each other. Like, and all that bullshit that David got up to. Yeah. uh, And that's where it's like, he... John Eldridge depends on caricatures and archetypes. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm like, just read Robert Bly then. Like... You know, like, if you just want archetypes, like, read someone else who doesn't Jesusify everything. (laughs) Right. But that's, that's, that's the danger of, of so much of evangelical theology. And, like, the Bible, just on its own, fine. But, like, read Mm -hmm. it. Like, I don't know what it would be to, like, just approach it without all the... David, David is the hero of the story. And like you go into it mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that. And so what would it be like to just read the Bible, just read the story of David and not have to make him a hero? Like to be like, oh, yeah. he started out kind of fine. And then he became a garbage person. And that's okay. Yeah. Cause we're not basing our theology on him. Yeah. But like John Eldridge likes David, needs David to be a hero because David is not nice, and neither is John mm-hmm. Eldridge. John Eldridge is not a nice man. Like, just things that he says and things that him and his wife both let slip in both books. I'm like, this is this is not an, he's not a nice man. Yeah, like, well, he I remember it wasn't in this chapter, but there is a chapter where he like kind of has this aside where he's like where he talks about gay men, like, mm-hmm. and he even. He says something. Oh, what does he say? It's probably, you probably already have covered this, but like, he says something about like, you know, gay men have it right in the sense that they're going after other men for, you they're going to confirm their masculinity, but you know, they're going about it the wrong way, which I'm like, okay, first off, that's a very problematic way to frame the LGBTQIA community. But also, John, are you gay? Because that sounds like something a, a closeted gay man would say. Like, have it right. right. <laughs> you know? Because like. everything, again, he, he's the main character and he's the hero in every story. So mm-hmm. 
I definitely think John Eldridge struggles with his sexuality. And like, you know, his dear friend Brent, 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 all throughout this book. Yeah, like there's some Jonathan and David vibes with big, him and Brent. <laughs> big time. But yeah, that part, I think that was either in it's either five or six where he's, oh, they have it right. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you you only co-sign things you own, that you mm-hmm. co-sign. So mm-hmm. the fact that you can empathize with this tells me that you empathize with this and yeah. you are, yeah, you're making space for this yeah. to, to make sense because you need yeah. it to make sense. So. Yep. And, and. And even the grandiosity, like, of his whole, like, in this postscript, like, of the chapter, where he's just like, you know, you may want to check out these other books of mine, and, like, about being wounded, but he's like, be very specific and intentional about your healing. Take this as seriously as if your doctor just told you you have cancer, and it must come out immediately. Like, like, I mean, that kind of language, even, of, like, what I'm telling you is so important, that, Mm -hmm. like... It's just as important as a cancer diagnosis. I'm like, I've known enough people with cancer to know that this is not that important. <laughs> like, getting your masculinity confirmed by the Lord is not, no. Like, no, my man. Um, no, it, and even he doesn't mean it because. No. I strongly urge you to seek counseling or healing prayer ministry. Now, first, those are not. Those are not the same. Like, no. But then mm-hmm. also, if you're going to treat this as seriously as if you were just told you have cancer, then tell me to seek counseling or healing prayer for my cancer. Like, that, you've just prescribed your books mm-hmm. for healing prayer for this dire need for healing your masculinity. And you're going to say, treat it as seriously as you would if you had cancer. Yeah. So which one do you want me to do? Do you want me to pray over it? Am I praying over my cancer or should I be seeking actual therapy, actual medical help, actual professional help for my masculinity and my wounds? Yeah. There's so much of John Eldridge's like whole, like, again, these like grandiose, like just sweeping statements. I'm like, this is, this is deeply problematic when... You know, like you're stoking this grievance stuff, which I mean, this is like every white supremacist out there, every misogynist like stokes this whole politics of grievance, this whole like we we've been wronged. We used Mm -hmm. to be on top and now we're like everybody else. And, you know, like rather than like looking around and thinking about like, hmm, this is an interesting position to be in. It's like we've got to get back got to get back to some you know imagined time period where where yeah like men were men and it's like that that did me more harm than good i'll just say personally to to look at society with this like skeptical angry everything is wrong you know lens but it's like yeah, I think we should be skeptical and we have a lot to be angry about, but what you're angry about is like not the right thing. It's like everyone's angry about something in society, but like John Eldridge comes in and it's like, well, it's because they're preventing you from being a man. Like, I, no, no, 
nope, that's not it, buddy. That's not it. <laughs> They're keeping you from going rock climbing. Mm-hmm. If you could just go rock climbing more and have more of, like, basically risk with your disposable income, mm-hmm. you know, use your disposable income for risky things, then then you'll be a man. Like, I don't know. I've done some risky and stupid shit that I probably could have... I'd be a lot better served if I would have saved that money or like, you know, bought something. I don't know. And, and I think it too, like a lot of this stuff prevents men from exploring what they're genuinely interested in, in mm-hmm. favor of like masculine pursuits. Um, like, like I enjoy cooking, like, you know, but like, well, that's, that's woman's work. I should be out killing animals. Like, maybe I don't want to kill animals. You know? Like, I I remember a a friend of mine, he, like, he was a painter, and he was really good at photography, and he he read John Elder's book, and he was just like, you know, this didn't appeal to me. Like, I'm just not, this is not my thing. And I remember, like, kind of shamefully being like, oh, thinking to myself, I didn't say this to him, but thinking like, oh, he just doesn't get it. Like, he just needs his heart to be awakened to the masculine truth or something, you know, I'll pray for him. It's like, God, it's like, like even just like think like remembering these things. I'm like, Oh God, I'm so full of myself. It's like, you just get pumped with this shit. Yeah. This book, this book is so, I mean, it's so white. It's, it's an extremely white mm, book. Yep. It's extremely white. It's extremely Colorado. It's extremely, his his generation because I'm like you're just taking these things you're taking yourself and you're like acting like you're in this vacuum and you don't take anything else into account like you're talking about first of all you're comparing you know your father wound with Frederick Buchner's right well his father committed suicide mm-hmm. your yes. dad was there the whole time but just wasn't as invested as you would have liked that's mm-hmm. that's very different. Like that's just very different. And we're also like not taking into account your father's generation, what your father went through, how mm-hmm. he might have been parented, how he might have done a better job, how he might have been trying to be more engaged. Like you're just not taking anything into account. Even that stupid thing about men never never stopping to ask for directions. I'm like, yeah. well, I can think about it from a black perspective and I can think of reasons why a black man might never stop and ask for directions. Yep. But like things like that just that do has not nothing to do with his masculinity as more of just like sense of self preservation and safety. Right. <laughs> like Right. And so even even all this this grievance and you want to be able to, you know, live like men used to live and whatever. I'm like, you're mad. You're mad at capitalism and you're mad. You're mad about westward expansion. But like you did that, like Mm -hmm. the people you people you hail from the world you're trying to get back to. That was you. And like there were Mm -hmm. people who lived in the wilds, in the wilderness trekking and hunting and just living that life all day long all the time and your people came in and wiped them out and set up the system that you now live in that you're like railing against 
but this was this was for you. Mm-hmm. You're at the top of this. Yes. And you're mad. Yes. Yep. So there are there are battles for you to fight, John Eldridge. If you want to, you could be fighting patriarchy, you could be fighting misogyny, you could be fighting capitalism, you could be fighting supremacy. Like there are so many things that if you're like, yeah. oh, if, you know, like endless consumption, you you know, like deforestation, like this destruction of wild right. places, like I yeah, I guess that thing where it's like you're close, like you're I mean, He's further away in a lot of other areas, but it's like, you're so close that, like, yep, we do have something to be mad about. But not not having permission to be a man. Like, like that's, like, I mean, and you, you, I mean, I would be mad about living in suburban Colorado, working at Focus on the Family. That would make me mad, you know? Like, so it's just, yeah, like, the... The diagnosis is, like, kind of close, but the cure is, like, worse than the disease, maybe, that, that he's cure, prescribing. The cure, like, is the disease. Like, yeah, he's like, you, it's need, like, you need more of this. Yeah, and, and again, like, my co-host, Tori Williams-Douglas, always talks about this, like, in evangelicalism and in capitalism, the answer is always more consumption. Like, buy, you know, like, buy this other book of mine buy this trip and experience that I'm offering, buy yourself some mountain climbing gear, buy, you know, like go, go out and buy a big trip. You know, it's never like hold down a job and support your family, you know, like, or, or even if it's not support your family, like go to therapy and get your shit together and, you know, try to make a life that makes you happy, you know? Um, that may not look like the conventional nuclear family structure, which again was dictated to us by capitalism and this need for like every family needs to have its own home and its own mortgage and its own whatever, you know? And so it's like, yeah, it's like, it's almost like he like saw the code in the matrix for like a split second and then was like, the answer is to just stay in the matrix you know, <laughs> we're going to make the matrix better. We're going to add a matrix to the matrix. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, we're just going to, yeah. Like, so it's again, like I said it before, like it give it, it's giving me another thing to worry about. Like, yeah, I got to worry about my salvation and I got to worry about my masculinity. And the answer yeah. is to buy more John Aldridge books of which I bought plenty. Um, <laughs> and they didn't make me more of a man. They didn't make me like they didn't make me more of a victor but they allowed him to go rock climbing more often i I paid for a lot of his rock climbing trips i'm sure so for for all this grievance and for all we got to get back to the way it was and men used to be men i'm like who men have been in charge this whole time thank you how much more in charge do you want to be like who who did this how is this now clearly clearly it's women's fault women barely get a mention in this chapter which is lucky because again yeah does not like women but yeah everything 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 is eve's fault women's fault Mm -hmm. but i don't understand how if you are the superior sex the the rulers supposed to be over it all 
You have mm-hmm. been this whole time. All of these systems are yours, have been built by you, for you, and mm-hmm. you're still mad. It's still yep. not working, but you won't take any responsibility. Yeah, and like it. to me, it's like that's a wound you probably ought to invite Jesus into, John. You know, like that's that's an interesting little psychological hangup that you have that I think would be fascinating to address in therapy. Like, you know, yeah, because yeah, I do remember he did say something about women in his little in the little intro, but but it's like. John, why are you like, I mean, I can understand a man being prescriptive to other men, but like, he's also being prescriptive to women. Like you want me to pursue you, you know, like you want me to, to, you want to be a part of an adventure that God has called me on, you know, right? Not your own. You want to, you want to support me in my battles that God you know, yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, and they need men. I guess need a deeper understanding of why women long to be fought for, to be swept up into adventure mm-hmm. and be the beauty. Like, I, I don't. They're out there for sure, but I don't know a lot of women that are like, I want to be fought over, or fought for, right. like. You know, I mean, and it is nice to have. I mean. As a man, it's nice to have other people go to bat for you. It's nice to have other people fight your fight your fights alongside you. Like that's that's a good, but that's that's a human experience. That's human. not a yeah. man experience, you know. And and also like women can fight plenty of battles on their own. And like maybe John, you need to just sit on the sidelines and cheer for a bit, like and let Stacy do whatever she's gonna do. You know, I'm just so past the whole, like, men are like this, women are like this, and anything else is sin. Like, that's, right. that, that to me is so silly, and to the point where it's like, we, you know, capitalism and evangelicalism is all about hegemony. Like, mm-hmm. it's all monoculture. I think, yeah, Tori also says this too, like it's all monoculture it's all like we're gonna everything that's different we're gonna bulldoze it out of the way and we're gonna plant one crop and it's gonna look like this that's it and i mean that just i mean if we're gonna take a more evolutionary approach to our human psyches like that's not good (laughs) you know that is unhealthy like fundamentally unhealthy to try to create even if it's a really nice box that fits some people really well because it fit me really well like Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to deconstruct and i'm glad i'm grateful that i did but partly because like evangelicalism and john eldridge and american society was made for me like you know like it it was created specifically for me so Mm -hmm. yeah like it it took me a lot longer than it should have to deconstruct this crap but I don't know. It's just like he, if anything, he makes the the cage just feel really good to the point where you're like, let's imprison more people in this. This is really great. <laughs> Guys, come on. We can sit around in our polos and our pleated khakis and, you know, like 
barbecue with the boys in the backyard and never question anything about like, you know, and we're going to go rock climbing on these, you know, on indigenous land and mourn the days when this was, when, why this isn't wild anymore, you know? Right. It's like, okay, right. whatever, dude. There's like no savages left to kill out here. There's no more battles to fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> our only battle is porn. And if you're the best man, it'll be gay porn. Cause... Yes. <laughs> yes. Because the gays have it right. They got it right. They got it and right. Women, gross. Damn. Gross. Why would you take your father wounds to a woman? Don't. Don't do it. Yeah, because there's a story in this chapter about a guy that, like, brought all of his therapeutic needs to women. And now, like, he was a mama's boy. And, yeah. and now he's now he's bringing his stuff to men. Which... I mean, I guess I could say, like, as a as a practice, I think it's important for men to learn how to be emotionally vulnerable around other men and not, like, require women to do all their emotional labor for them. Yeah, fine, John. But the, the way you describe it, it seems like men should never go to women for anything because oh, no. going, going, yeah, going to women for something is being a mama's boy or a sissy or whatever. I'm like, that's... You're overcorrecting here, and I think maybe you might be a little gay. <laughs> like it's it's like what's happening right now, right on Twitter with this whole cis cis is a slur now, right? Oh God. And it's like no, it's a slur to you because you use trans as a slur. Like, but mm -hmm. neither one of these are. And so, like, for John, for evangelical, like all of this, if you truly believe that God is neither male nor female, that God, that we all have attributes of God, then why why would mama's boy even be an insult? Like why would it mm -hmm. be a problem? Like if you saw if you saw God as a mother, if you saw God as a woman, and if that was mm -hmm. just as valid as like this masculine God, that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But the and fact that Yeah. Yeah. Anything feminine is a slur, this is an insult. Because you don't like women. Yeah. And, and yeah, like he, I'm glad you said that because he, no one's mothered by God. You know, right. Right. it's ever, it's all about being fathered by God because God is a man. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, and that's where it's like, I, like, again, if you go to the Bible, like God is the many breasted one. In more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus looks out over Jerusalem, he's like, I wish I was a mother hen, you know, right? gathering up my chicks, you know, this like protective mothering energy, mm -hmm. um, which Jesus embodied. I mean, not according to John Eldridge, but you know, like Jesus did embody very feminine energy and masculine energy. Cause guess what? We all have it. And even just mm -hmm. that breaking it into that binary is like, it's a helpful construct, but like all constructs, it breaks down after a while. Right. right. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, where is the mothering language? Where is the, like, what? And also, I'm like, I want to be like, what the hell kind of relationship did you have with your mom, John? Like, Not I'm much more point. interested in that than, yeah. than the non relationship you have with your dad. Like, if, you know, just from a tabloidy perspective, like, I want to know, like, 
what was this relationship like? Yeah, because is it's 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 kind of wild how he will just gloss over it. And again, I didn't notice it because it was like, you know, this is made for me. Like, mm-hmm. I've got a father wound, you know, which I don't even know that I do. I think I just like had a pretty bog standard relationship with my dad. And I feel like like we're all. Every person who was born is a brand new person and they're, Mm -hmm. they're having brand new experiences and their parents are having brand new experiences and like no parent is going to get it perfectly just because Mm -hmm. you are two different people having two different experiences and trying to figure it out at the same time. And so like Mm -hmm. it is possible we all get, we all get wounded by our parents, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be like this deep wound. Like... Yeah, I yeah, I think yeah, his whole like branding of it, like the wound trademark, you know. Right. It's like I I mean, yeah, like I, I tell my my oldest daughter all the time like I've never been a dad before. Like I, I and just as a I I'm doing the best I can here. Like I'm going to make mistakes and mm-hmm. and and I'm sorry for those. But let's try to figure this out together, you know. You know, and sometimes she she's like, okay, and sometimes she's like, yeah, you're right. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if I had this like patriarchal whatever, like respect me kind of attitude, like then you know, I wouldn't get those moments with my kids. But like, I I I appreciate them. Like, yes, please talk back to me. Talking back to authority is probably a good skill. Like, let's let's hone it a little bit. Let's, you know, like, not every time, but every now and then, if you give me some shit for a decision I made, I'm going to see that actually as a good sign. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. A little bit of shit. Not a lot, but a little bit is fine. <laughs> Eldridge would be horrified. He said, from your girl child? Are you yeah. kidding <laughs> see, me? The problem is he didn't have any daughters. Like, I feel like if he would have had at least one daughter, maybe, I don't know, uh, poor girl. Um, poor girl. Yeah. But maybe he would tone it down. No, he wouldn't have. But No, he's had a whole wife this whole time. and Yeah. That's kind of like wishing fundamentalists would have gay kids. Like, yeah. it, on the surface, it seems like a fun thing, but like, no, that's a child that would have to deal with that. So, no, I would prefer not. It's probably a good thing yeah. John Aldridge only had boys. But... Yeah, there was, I remember there was a line in one book, I forget, it was maybe one of his later books that didn't sit right with me, because he was talking about this time with his sons, and his sons didn't want to spend time with him, and he was like, you know how many boys and men want to spend time with me? Like, <laughs> you ungrateful sons, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Which also, gay. Like, you know how many men want to spend time with me? Men are lining up to spend time with me. Which is all I ever really wanted, so. Yes. It's for a lot of men. Hot men, even. Hot Hot, fit, outdoorsy men Mm -hmm. want to spend time with your dad. Oh, John. The queering of John Eldridge. Uh, Your work is done. 
for you. Like <laughs> yes. all you have to do is do what he does and just pull passages from mm-hmm. <laughs> his own work, copy and his paste. Own books. <laughs> Out of context. <laughs> and here it is. So no. looking at this book from the perspective, everything is permissible. Can't stop mm-hmm. John Eldridge from writing a book, obviously. Yeah. But not everything is beneficial. So on a mm-hmm. scale from one to ten, one harmful for everyone, not beneficial at all, up to ten. He he got it. He nailed it. <laughs> he has nailed men as he intended. <laughs> Where would you put this book? Okay, so I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it actually I'm gonna be somewhat generous and give it a three. So oh. harmful. And I'm not gonna give it a one or two simply because there are occasional like he gets it I'm gonna say two point five. That's what I'll say. <laughs> and if I talk long enough it'll probably end up being a one. But I'm trying to be like a little bit nice and just say like baseline it's harmful, but you know, if if more men were to grieve just their issues but like I don't know but what he wants men to grieve is also problematic so maybe not um, I'm going to stand by 2.5 and we're just going gonna, gonna, to yeah, we'll stay there alright so you you recommended him to lots of people before I'm assuming you I wouldn't did. do that today I would not no so what is um, something you would recommend instead of reading so Wild I, at Heart I racked my brain, but I was trying to find a recommendation that was kind of in the same neighborhood. Like, like someone who would be susceptible to John Eldridge, what would I give them? And I'm going to say this. There is a book called Wild Mind, A Field Guide to the Human Psyche. Okay? So right there, like, if you're a John Eldridge person, this is for you. It's by a guy named Bill Plotkin. And it's it's got a lot of Eldridge vibes, but... It's definitely a book for everyone. Men or women can read it. Um, he he has you know psychological models, and but about like instead of like being fathered by God, it's like how do you become a nurturing, generative adult? Instead of like the wild man, it's like he has you know the, the wild indigenous one. Like how do we get or yeah, I think it's not not indigenous. The, you know like it's like how do you get back to like you know because there is like a primal wild side to people. But, like, mm-hmm. what are the pitfalls there? So his, like, pitfall for the nurturing generative adult is the, like, loyal soldier, you know? Like, you know, so, like, this is this is one of the sub-personalities of this. This person that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't generate good things for their community or good things for their family. They're a person that just polices folks. Like, I feel like, you know, that's, like, that's good for men particularly to learn. Like, that this is a pit... This is, policing people is a pitfall, not a goal. So, and there's, there's other, there's other polarities and stuff. I don't know that it's something that I would recommend for everyone, but someone who's like, I love me some John Eldridge. I might go like, maybe let's use that same language, but like by someone who actually has a degree in this and who maybe is going to have a little bit more of a, a little bit more holistic view of the human psyche and the human experience. It's still it's still woo woo, 
you know, it's still, I think there may even be some Lord of the Rings quotes in it, but I'm like, on the whole, it is much less problematic, much less like women are bad, much less mm-hmm. patriarchal, because uh, it just flattens it. And it's like, a, it's a book for humans that uses some of these kind of archetypes that are helpful. Yep. So I think that I would recommend that if someone, if as an alternative to Eldridge, that's more more of a direct alternative than maybe like, hey, just don't and go to therapy. That would be my my recommendation. All right. Well, thank you, Dustin, for submitting to this torture and yeah, bringing bringing us yeah, some good a... masculinity, some good masculine. <laughs> Trying <energy>. to, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a trip down memory lane that I maybe don't want to go down again. <laughs> but it was enjoyable to go on this journey with you. I'm glad you did. I enjoyed this as well. Any yeah. any closing thoughts? Anything you wanted to say, didn't get to say? No, I think I think I said most of it. And yeah, just be a good human. And I think we'll be fine. Only when we enter our wound will we discover our true glory. There are two reasons for this. First, because the wound was given in the place of your true strength, as an effort to take you out. Until you go there you are still posing, offering something more shallow and insubstantial. And therefore, second, it is out of your brokenness that you discover what you have to offer the community. The false self is never wholly false. Those gifts we've been using are often quite true about us, but we've used them to hide behind. We thought that the power of our life was in the golden bat, but the power is in us. When we begin to offer not merely our gifts but our true selves, that is when we become powerful. That is when we are ready for battle. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, the Legata Scratch production, and a God is not given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodley and Jodwilling patrons like Amber. Thank you, Amber. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. It's it's hard even to find a slogan for this, but it, it would just be more like, you're fine. If you want to be a man, be a man. If you like the outdoors, no one is stopping. I guess I should say, like, you already have permission. I think if I was going to say that. If you want to be, like, a manly man that goes outdoors, that, like, does rugged stuff, you can go do that. No one is going to stop you. But if you're, like, a man that, like, likes a good mani-pedi and enjoys making a sauce on the weekends or something, go do that. That, that, that doesn't make you less of a man, That if that's even important to you, you have permission to just be like the best version of yourself. And if that's like hyper-masculine without the toxic parts, great. But if it's like, hey, I happen to have a penis, but I basically live like what our society says is a woman, like fine, do that. You just have permission to be a human. And I think we're gonna be better off if you just explore what brings you joy and doesn't cause harm much more than just like fitting into a construct that some dude in Colorado Springs gave you.